Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be back and to be uh, among brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, this morning, uh, as you've already been challenged in a kind way, uh, we are going to uh, continue on in our journey uh, of Ephesians chapter 4. Actually, verse 11 is our text again for today uh, as we take a look at the evangelists. Um, And so let's uh, commit our time to the Lord in an opening word of prayer. Gracious Father, we do want to praise you this morning uh, because you alone are worthy. Uh, You are the God who saves uh, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And you've kept your word uh, throughout the ages so that uh, as we live in 2023, no matter what the culture may think, no matter what the culture may believe, your timeless truth is something that we can go to each and every day for each and every Uh, moment for each and every decision we may find ourselves facing, uh, Lord, knowing that your word is true, that it is complete, that it is sufficient, uh, that it will accomplish everything for which you have sent it out to do. Uh, And so, Father, we thank you for that because it is a great comfort to us as believers that uh, we're not just saved and running around uh, not knowing how we should live this life you've called us to, but you've given us instruction, you've given us encouragement and hope. Uh, And you've given us your spirit uh, to guide us in all of that. Uh, And so, Father, thank you for those truths this morning. And may you uh, continue to teach us as we realize the importance uh, of this third office uh, that was established for the building up of the church. Uh, And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, at least so we're in that context Uh, as we will be taking a look at uh, the actual, uh, by way of review, because it's been, um, I didn't actually count the weeks, but it's probably been a a month since we actually looked at this, uh, because Pastor Caden uh, preached the last two weeks, then we did a Palm Sunday special sermon, so yeah, it's been a month. Uh, And so just so we're aware, we're all on the same page in case you weren't here uh, for those first two offices of Apostles and Prophets. Um, Verse 11 of chapter 4 starts by stepping out into uh, what we would consider the sovereignly given gifts uh, that Christ has given for the building up of the church, the church that he has purchased with his own blood. Uh, And we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses uh, 4 through 6, as well as 11 and 18. And I'll read those to you so that you can see as we speak to these variety of gifts and to see that it's God who gives them. Uh, They are not man's to determine. Uh, They are not man's to say when they start or when they finish, uh, what their frequency is, what their use is. Uh, That is God's alone. Uh, There in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4, it says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. So without exception, every gift that is given is given by God and empowered by God. Otherwise, it is a false gift and used in a false way, not glorifying God. Verse 11 goes on to say, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So in other words, we don't go to God and say, God, I want this gift. God says, no, this is the gift that I've tailored for you. This is the gift that you are going to be given 
and be used for the building up of the church. Verse 18 goes on to say, but it is God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So it's no mistake when we look at Ellington Baptist Church of the gifting that he has given to this body of believers. God has gifted individuals in this church, each one of you, because each one is apportioned a gift. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ here today, you have a gift from God. The question you need to ask yourself is, am I using that gift? Because they weren't meant for our own individual you know, enlightenment. They're not made for our own individual building up. They're actually used so that we build up others. And as we build up others, they build us up. God made it that way so that he removed that selfishness that can be had with us wanting to do things our own way, wanting to, you know, elevate and and build ourselves up. But instead, as we build others up, then we are built up. And the thing is, is because God is the one who arranges these in the body, because God is the one who chooses them, uh, and he is the one who empowers them, then just by logic, Christ assigns their use, their frequency, and their tenure. The reason why that's important, uh, we took a look at last time, uh, was in relation to the first two offices that are in the text, that of apostles and prophets. Uh, We went ahead and defined what each one of those were, and we're not going to go into the the full detail of that, uh, other than to say that apostle is one who is sent out as a messenger of Jesus Christ, And as we took a look in the biblical text uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, we found that Jesus is the greatest apostle because he was sent by God the Father for the particular purpose of revealing God to the world. Then there was also that of prophets, one who speaks truth, God's truth, to others. Uh, We also took a look at John 1.1 where we found that Jesus Christ himself is the greatest prophet Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word being Jesus Christ himself. Uh, And so as one being the Word himself is communicating the ultimate truth there is as he took on flesh and dwelt among us. Then we took a look at the responsibilities given by God for these two offices. Uh, And we looked, actually, two of them are right in the book of Ephesians, passages we already uh, looked at. Uh, One was to lay the foundation of the church. That's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, where it says it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So an apostle or prophet was important in laying the foundation of the church. But also in Ephesians chapter 3, the second thing is, is they receive and proclaim God's revelation of himself in Christ so that we don't have to guess who God is, We don't have to make a God of our own making, which does not really uh, be a God at all. It's a God, little g. God revealed himself so we know who he is. He's given us his truth. He's proclaimed himself through revelation. And the greatest revelation that we have today is the word of God. It's complete. It is what we need to know who God is, who we are, why we're here, and what is yet to come. And we have examples as we look at the Bible, uh, and no detail was left out. It's not just a warm, fuzzy book of things that God, you know, wanted mankind to remember that was all good. Uh, 
Uh, we see a balance, and matter of fact, we see the results of what sin did all the way in the very book of beginnings, Genesis itself. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 12, we had the third responsibility given by God to apostles and prophets, and that was the ability to do signs, wonders, and mighty works. And that was to, to verify, to show that they were actually God's prophets and God's apostles. Both of these offices were crucial in proclaiming God's revelation until the word of God was penned. Because as you know, when the, you know, Christ walked the earth, not every book of the Bible had been penned yet. Matter of fact, the book of Revelation wasn't penned until 90 A.D. So the Bible that we have today is the word of God. It's complete. It is uh, everything that we need and, and tells us everything we need to know in relation to life and godliness as believers in Jesus Christ. So once the, the canon of Scripture was, was put together, once we had the Word of God in, in its full, fullness, there was no need to build on that foundation any longer. Which you remember, the first thing is, is to lay the foundation of the church, was what the apostles and prophets did. So once the Word of God was you know, laid, once that foundation was done, there was no need for apostles or prophets anymore because God's revelation of himself to man is complete, until which time Jesus Christ himself comes a second time. And we see the beginning of what we would say is the end of all things, where God brings everything to its completion. But these two offices, these first two, are no longer needed because the foundation is built. You don't continue to build a foundation on any physical building once the foundation is laid, the foundation is laid, then the walls go up. And then once the walls go up, the roof goes on. But you don't continue to build the foundation as you know, the walls go up and the roof goes on. The foundation is laid first. It's set. It's, it's in stone. It is sure. So that it is not a foundation on sand that when the bad weather comes is blown away. Instead, it is a foundation on the rock, Jesus Christ himself. And as a result of looking at these two, the reason why we spent time on establishing apostles and prophets and the fact that both of these offices are no longer needed is because there are those in the church today that are very big on restoring these offices of apostles and prophets, saying that they are lost ones. And so as we looked at the application last time, uh, we made the point that there will always be false prophets, false teachers, false apostles. And I actually named uh, a particular group in uh, our, the sermon last time, the New Apostolic Reformation, uh, which is something that is trying to establish and use themselves as, as an authority, declaring themselves apostles, declaring themselves prophets of God when we have the complete word of God that we should not add to or take away from. God is, does not need to tell us anything else until which time we find ourselves in the very presence of God himself. We have the complete revelation of God. And so as you, you look at things, and because you have access to so many different people you can listen to, uh, and as well as even the music you listen to, as I talked about this new apostolic reformation, I mentioned names, uh, in particular, you know, uh, churches. Uh, Mike Bickle in the International House of Prayer, Bill Johnson, Bethel Church, uh, Brian and Bobby Houston of Hillsong uh, and Dutch Sheets, just to name a few. 
Those are people that we need to be aware of. We need to see that when someone says, well, God told me this and you should obey this because it came from God. And if you question it, then you're questioning God himself. See, the thing is, is we have the revelation of God. It is finished. It's in its fullness. God told us everything we needed to know. Even things that have not been fulfilled yet. Things we're waiting for. The second coming of Jesus being one of them. So we took a look and we said that the word of God is complete. That uh, phrase sola scriptura. uh, The fact that it is the scripture alone. It's not the scripture plus someone's new prophecy or someone's new, uh, you know, apostolic declaration that they say God told them. It's the word of God itself, period. Nothing added to it, nothing taken away. Because as we know, it says scripturally, our faith is settled. It doesn't need to be updated. It's complete because God is complete, because God does not lie, and God has told us everything we need to know. Are there things that God knows that we don't? Yes. But that's what makes him God. God has told us everything we need to know. And last, we talked about God's kingdom is not of this world because that movement and other movements today are, are seeking to you know, bring God's kingdom to earth, to have heaven on earth. Well, Jesus made it very clear that his kingdom is not of this world. And this is not our home. We're still here living in it, and we live in it according to the word of God, which he has given to us as we await things that God has promised, and we know that he is faithful, and he will do those things. But it's important for us to hold to these truths, because otherwise, as we'll find here in coming weeks, we'll be tossed to and fro. We'll believe what someone says just because they say, God told me this. We'll see the scriptures let us know that the canon is, is, is full, it is complete. Our faith is settled. There's nothing to add to it. Which brings us to the third office. Uh, this third office and then the fourth office, which is actually a combined pastor-teacher office, uh, are you know, offices that are in operation today in the church. Uh, and the first one there uh, that's in operation, which is the third in verse 11, is the evangelist. And we think automatically of big names like Louis Palau, you know, uh, Billy Graham. I'm having a mental block there for a second. But we think of people that have been given the gift to be a preacher of the gospel, and therefore it's reserved for them to, to go and preach the gospel. Well, we're going to take a look at that premise uh, as we take a look at this particular Greek word and we look at how uh, other, you know, uh, two other instances of the same Greek word or Greek stem being used uh, shows us the importance of uh, evangelism. Uh, that first one is euangelistes, uh, which means a preacher of the gospel. This word in the text here in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 is only used two other times in the scriptures one of which we're going to turn to right now so you can see, and that's in Acts chapter 21. So turn over to Acts 21, because there's one individual in the Bible, maybe this would be a good Bible quiz question, that is actually called the evangelist. And as you get there, does anybody know who it is? Philip. 
So Acts 21, verse 8. And I'm going to go ahead and read that, and we're going to you know, take and consider the context of this verse as well. It says, On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist. Okay, that's the same Greek word that we have in Ephesians 4.11, euangeliestes, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. So what's this reference to one of the seven? Was he one of seven evangelists? Well, you got to go back to Acts chapter 6. You remember that the widows were being neglected in the daily portions given out. And so uh, what the disciples decided to do is they get everybody together and they were to pick seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and of wisdom to actually take on that ministry. Well, Philip is one of those seven uh, that we find out as you go back to uh, chapter 6 of Acts. But you'll see that it says he is the, the evangelist. Well, if you go back into chapter 8 of the book of Acts, you'll, you'll start seeing that Philip ended up bouncing from one place to the next place to the next place. Matter of fact, as we look, everywhere that Philip traveled, Philip proclaimed the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. So look back at Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Because Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So these would have been half Jews, half Jew, half Gentile. And here's Philip going and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to them. Then if you look down at verse 35, same chapter, you know the account of the Ethiopian eunuch. In verse 35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Now notice he didn't say, go from you know, his own experience. It says he began with the Scripture. See, because it's the Scripture that makes us wise unto salvation. It is the word of God that, that tells us that we are sinners in need of salvation. That there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no one who seeks after God. That we are dead in our trespasses and sins apart from Christ. That we need to repent and have faith in Christ. Then look down at verse 40. Same chapter. But Philip found himself in, at Azotus. I'm not sure how to pronounce that one. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So this is what Philip was gifted. He was given this office of being an evangelist, someone who goes forth and preaches the gospel. And so he traveled around like we would see in, you know, the traveling, you know, even today of those that would actually proclaim the gospel good news. But this same Greek word is also used in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. So all the men have been coming to men's Bible study. This will, you know, you know, shake off any rust that there may be. But this is the same Greek word that you saw when we were studying 2 Timothy. It says there, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So this is the third time this word is used in the New Testament. But you have to remember, okay, Paul's the missionary. Who is Timothy? Timothy is a pastor in the church in Ephesus. But Paul is saying, do the work of an evangelist. Well, wait a minute. You know, our idea of what an evangelist is is someone who travels around. Well, doesn't a pastor stay in a, in a church and is, you know, uh, teaching the word of God and, and you know, 
having or making disciples and, and having them grow in their faith? Well, yes. Well, so we have two different examples here. One of Philip who traveled around, but everywhere he went, he proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. But then we also have a pastor in Ephesus who is encouraged by Paul, the missionary, to do the work of an evangelist. So the thing is, as we look at the church, there's no separation. The church should be proclaiming the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Whether that's from the pulpit, whether that's through the Bible studies, whether that's through the outreaches that we do as a church, whether that's you as you go to and fro throughout the week, as you do your job, as you, you know, uh, visit family, no matter what you're doing, you have the ability to share the good news, whether through your actions, because you're giving testimony to a changed life in Christ, or you're using words to proclaim their need of repentance and trusting in Christ for salvation. And what this did is it guarded against false gospels and false doctrine. Because even in Paul's day, there were people that were distorting the gospel, making it something it was not. And so even for us today as a call to Ellington Baptist Church in 2023, we have a responsibility to safeguard, to make sure that the gospel of the scriptures about faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone is being proclaimed. Because there are those out there that are proclaiming a false gospel. See, evangelists were both missionaries and church planters. Because you don't separate the gospel. It's not just one person's responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We should all go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them everything that Jesus taught we should be ready to give an account for the hope that we have within us because there's people around us that are dead spiritually that are on their way to a Christless eternity in hell that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because Christ has not returned. We still have a mission from God to proclaim and preach the gospel well, I told you there's two other words because we look at this and there's only three words that speak in, t- in relation to you know, being an evangelist or preaching the good news. Well, there's two other Greek words. One, which is euangelizo, which is used 54 times in the New Testament. So this is not just another you know, couple of occurrences. This word is used 54 times and it is to announce the good news, to proclaim Jesus Christ as the Savior who has come, to proclaim repentance and trust in Christ. But also, euangelion, which is another Greek word, it's the noun form. Euangelizio uh, uh, was the verb, but the noun is used 76 times. So between the two of these, we've got over 120 plus incidences in the scriptures where it calls forth to announce the good news or the good message or the gospel itself, because that is important. How will they hear without a teacher? How are we going to know the truth about our need of a Savior unless someone is proclaiming that truth to us? There is general revelation. Everyone knows that there's a God, even if they suppress that truth, because they can look at the creation around them. But in order for them to know that there is salvation in Jesus Christ, someone needs to tell them 
Someone needs to share with them to announce that good news, that good message of the gospel. So evangelism is at the very heart of God. The gospel going forth is at the very heart of God because God loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son. Right? John 3.16. It's a message that needs to go to the ends of the earth. God's grace, God's long-suffering, God's mercy is still active because the final judgment has not taken place. So that gospel needs to go forth and as I was looking and considering, you know, you know, the scripture, God was really the first evangelist. Maybe you never noticed this before, but I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 3. Because Paul noticed this, and it's, it's interesting, you know, as I, I talk with Terry about songs to sing, and I don't realize the connection until, you know, uh, even as I, we were singing it this morning, that, ah, there's the connection. Because it talks about, uh, you know, the fact that the, they're ancient words that these scripture is going forth. Okay, Paul recognized this in Galatians 3, starting in verse 7, because God was the first evangelist. It says there in verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is a beautiful verse. And I honestly never recognized that the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham. So how was the nations blessed in Abraham? We know that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be from Abraham, going all the way back to that promise. And Paul is recognizing this enough, and you notice it says in verse 8, and the scripture, capital S in your text, Paul recognized the importance, the supremacy of God's word, so much so that he says the scripture which we know is what? According to 2 Timothy, God breathed, right? So this is God's word to us. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. So just as Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, as he looked forward to what would be the Son of God taking on flesh and dwelling among us, we look back to that. But you'll notice where did he appeal to? Not to some, you know, thing other, like his own experience or someone told me, the Scripture. See, that needs to be the start, the middle, and the end of what we do in sharing the gospel. If we add to it or we take away from it, then we've changed the gospel. If we make the gospel something that it's not, then we've changed the gospel. But not only did God, as the first evangelist, preach the gospel beforehand, angels evangelized. This is something you're familiar with, but maybe never looked at it through this lens before. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and that's the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angels evangelized. The angels had a message of good news, of hope for the world that there can be forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus himself also evangelized. Luke, a few chapters later, chapter 20, verses 1 and 2 says, One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel. So he was teaching them the things that they would have known as Jews, but then preached the gospel to them. Showed how he was the promised Messiah, that he is the Son of God in flesh. The chief priests and scribes with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority you do these things and who it is that gave you this authority. See, they didn't know. They didn't see. They didn't understand. But Jesus Christ himself was proclaiming the good news of salvation in him, in him alone. But Paul also evangelized. Book of Romans, chapter 1. Verse 15 says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Chapter 15, verse 20 says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. See, the thing is, you're going to see as you study the word of God that there is a focus on the gospel going forth. Because as you look at the Bible, It's all about God's redemptive plan because we go back to the book of Genesis and realize why redemption was necessary because Adam and Eve sinned against a holy, holy, holy God. And somehow that had to be rectified. God's holiness, God's righteousness had to be vindicated. So how would that take place? How would God's wrath on sin, on rebellion against his perfection, be rectified? Jesus Christ. Because no one comes to the Father except through him. So how should this inform our lives today? What's the application as we think about the evangelists? And we see these examples scripturally, which I only mentioned four of those 120 plus times at the announcing of the good news and the the gospel going forth. The fact is, is that God was the first evangelist, angels evangelized, Jesus evangelized, Paul evangelized. Many people throughout the generations have evangelized. We need to evangelize. We need to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We must earnestly contend for the faith delivered to us. Not to put it in a box, not to allow the culture to cause us to shrink back, but to, with Paul in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, say, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning? Because that gospel was shared with you. 
by someone who evangelized, who shared the good news of faith in Jesus Christ. See, the thing is, as we look at our church culture today, and I thought about using a very vivid example from just this past Easter, but I don't want people searching for it on the internet to give more views to it, to give it more credence, to give it more volume. But there was a church that this past Easter decided to do what can only be described as a very pagan play to hopefully pull people in that are, as in the words of the pastor, not in the game yet, to go up to the border of sin without sinning to produce this play on Easter Sunday. But you, that is one example among many. There are many churches, there are many pastors, there are many individuals that are misrepresenting and even making a mockery out of the gospel. So it falls to us as God's children, sons and daughters, who know the truth to proclaim the truth, to not compromise, but to be forthright in communicating that gospel because it is not a gospel of works. It is not a gospel of entertainment. It is not a gospel of prosperity. It is not a gospel where you just say this prayer and then you're in because the gospel is about a change of heart. It's about repentance. It's about seeing your sin like God sees your sin and realizing why you needed a savior. It is a gospel of repentance and faith in Jesus. And the thing is, we need to be living that out. We need to be evangelists in our culture. Because there are many examples scripturally as we see that gospel good news going forth. I want you to turn to Jude. Because this is where we're going to finish the next few moments. Because this is, I believe, a call to us as believers today. Because I see as I look at this scripture passage where this is what's happening in our culture today. This is what's happening in the church today. Jude, there's only one chapter, so verses 3 and 4. says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, which we did look about that, one God, one faith, one baptism, we, we looked over all that, about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. See, because they were contending for the faith even in the first century, because there were those that were preaching a gospel that does not save. So he says, I, I'm appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. That word sensuality there has a, a, a dual application. One, it is often looked at through the lens of a moral uh, problem, or it can be looked at through the lens of a doctrinal problem. 
And when we look at the churches in our world today, both exist. Because those are, there are those that are practicing sin without shame within the church and therefore denying the gospel of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. There are churches and people in the churches that are brazenly anti-biblical in their teaching and therefore compromising the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. They deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Look down at verse 17. This is the charge. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions, which we can see that within the, the, what we would consider the, the church as a whole. I would say that they're church in name only, but they, they are living out and are following their own ungodly passions. Verse 19, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. Because basically what they've done is made the church into a business. They made the church about them. They're not there to glorify and to worship the one true God and to proclaim salvation in his son alone. But you, beloved, do you notice how many times beloved, brother and sister in Christ, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. See, we love We have mercy, but we don't compromise the truth. We don't proclaim a different gospel. We don't preach and teach things that are not in the word of God. We proclaim the word of God. See, unbelievers need to hear the gospel to be saved. You and I as believers need to hear the gospel to remember who we are in Christ Jesus and to remember that we have a commission to preach the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, to give hope to those who have no hope and watch God change them from the inside out. In the the glorious benediction, verses 24 and 25, now to him, God himself, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together, church family, as we close out our service this morning, as we remember that we have a responsibility to share the good news because there's still those that need to believe. Not to believe a lie, not to believe a gospel that is false, but to experience redemption in Jesus Christ. And so as we close this morning, let's sing How Firm a Foundation.